If you are turning with me in your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 10, if you're turning with me. It's going to be kind of a different service, kind of a different service today. But I feel like God's really laid some things on my heart, and God's got us in a in a place as a body and a family, and I'm really excited just about where we are as a people and in relationship, and and I'm proud of us and what we're doing and that giant tiny house, tiny mansion sitting out front, and it's just such a big thing. Um, and we, we talked about it some yesterday, and like it's probably... It is already, even if nothing else happened, like this is probably the biggest thing that we've kind of like bit off and done. And the cool thing about it is it doesn't benefit us. Like we can't control it. We're given the money. Like we know what the money, we know what it's going to, but we've all made sacrifices to be a part and to build that thing and to sell tickets and to be a part and and. At the end of this, we're going to make some more sacrifices, and we're all pouring out. And I laid in my bed last night, and I just thought, like, and we're just releasing it. Like, it's not for us. It's not for something that we can control. There's a lot to be said about that. And uh, so we're going to talk about the precious seed. Today, we're going to talk about sacrifice and several different things, but... I'm going to start out by talking to you about the most important piece of real estate in the world. The very most, the most important. Now, real estate, it means property, available space, or capacity. Have you all ever played Monopoly? Yeah. Everybody pretty much played Monopoly. And everybody's got a good story about Monopoly, usually. Um... I've started thousands of games of Monopoly. I've finished, I'm, I could probably count on one hand the ones I've finished, right? I got a good story about Titus losing his mind and running from the kitchen table and slamming into the couch. He got so mad. Like, Monopoly teaches you a lot about people. That was a while ago. He was, he's really matured since then. Was it Malachi? Three months? No, it's been it's been a few years. <laughs> but everybody, it seems like they got a good monopoly story. I was thinking they should make one. Maybe they do, and I just don't know about it because I quit playing that game. We just don't have time anymore. We're so busy, we can't play monopoly. We have to play quick games. But I was thinking they should make one with like credit cards now an electronic one so that you can just swipe the card and you don't have to deal with all the fake money you don't have to have a banker be great for us homeschoolers because you don't have to count and do math you just swipe it for a hotel you don't add up how many houses make a hotel how many is this like you could just keep swiping your card you just swipe it swipe it swipe it until you go bankrupt and you move back in with your parents and that's how you lose that's what I was thinking all right, we should probably get back to the message. Um, oh, I did notice that it must be a really old game because uh, back when it was made, apparently rich people can go to jail. Oh, I'm just kidding. 
What are we talking about? Real estate. Oh, you know how when you're playing, you're like, I need park place. I got to get park place. I got to land on there. If I can get a hotel on there, and then it's just, it's like a lottery waiting to happen. As soon as they land on it, I need to get that one space. You get that thing in your mind because it's a valuable place. It's of most value. On the whole board, everything out there, there's this one space that's more valuable than the others. It's a piece of real estate. That's what I want to talk about today. Is the most important piece of real estate in the world. It's an average of about six inches. That's the average space between your ears. I think for a Rutherford, they may be higher than average. We seem to have large heads. <laughs> Favor, Favor told me Wednesday that Zeke's had the same batting helmet uh, for baseball since he was five, and that they just this year just had to buy him a new helmet. He's been able to fit it like his body's been trying to catch up with his head ever since he was five years old. So that's not even the funny part. Yesterday, I'm telling that at Sky's baseball game because I thought it was funny. Yeah, Zeke's body's been trying to catch up with his head. Jesse looked at me and said, Sky's had the same size since he was five until last year, and Sky's older than Zeke. <laughs> so Sky's got a big head too. His body's trying to catch up. So, you know, with kids walking around like Sky and Zeke, that raises that average to six inches, but... <laughs> Six inches, that space between your ears, that's the most important piece of real estate that you'll ever deal with. It can change your perspective, your life, your mood, your personality, what you think, your attitude, your thoughts, what you choose to fill your mind with. It can change everything. You know, Paul told us in Romans... uh, be transformed by, I couldn't think what he said. No, there in Romans, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like by changing your mind, then you see an outward transformation. So we're going to talk for a few minutes today about what separates successful and unsuccessful people. Scientists and psychologists say the only thing that separates a successful person and an unsuccessful person is the way they think. It's what makes you generous or stingy. It's determined in your mind. People want to say that they want to talk a lot about the haves and the have-nots. People that got something, people that don't. I would argue that the problem is with the give-nots. People that are just so stingy. They're not willing to give of themselves, of their time, their talent, their treasure. Here's what's found in this piece of real estate that I'm talking about. Your attitude, perspective, confidence, and hope. Hope is a valuable thing. We've talked about hope a lot the last couple of weeks and, and about how hope can't exist in the past. The hope is in the future. My hope is tied to my future. And so when, when the hope is fulfilled, then I got to get a new hope. I got to keep moving forward. And we've, we've been talking some about that. But hope is here. Hope is in your mind. Scripture tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know what else? Hope. I've been doing a study on this. 
throughout the scripture, hope is always tied to purpose. Your hope is tied to your purpose. I'll probably preach about it in the next couple of weeks because that's usually how it works. But I've been studying it and God's been speaking to me about that. And your hope is tied to your purpose. So sometimes when we pray, God, give me hope. God, I have no hope. God, I'm in a hopeless situation. God, give me hope. And God's saying it's found in your purpose. If you walk in your purpose, you will have renewed hope. Hope's in here. Now I'm going to read you a deep scripture. It's hard to understand, but we're going to break it down. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. It's Ecclesiastes 10, verse 2. Listen to this. Wise thinking leads to to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. I was just kidding when I said it was real deep. It's pretty plain. All right. Wise thinking, right living. Stupid thinking, wrong living. It's simple. Think right, do right, or your actions will follow. Your attitude is the paintbrush, and you hold it, and it paints the pictures in your mind. Look at Philippians 4, verse 4. Look what Paul says. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in Him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side. Everybody? Well, I'm not on. Yeah, they're humans. They're part of God's family. To all that you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Christians can be so divisive. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best. What? I want to do best. I want to do best. How can I do the best? Here's how. By filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me. And what you heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. This is how you retrain your brain. You got to form a habit thinking about those good things and and putting good things in there and meditating on those things. Paul is giving us a picture of what a fulfilled life looks like. 
We want to all be satisfied and fulfilled. And, and, and Paul's writing this letter to the church at Philippi, but he's giving them a picture of what it looks like to have a fulfilled life. And first, he said a fulfilled life, here's what it looks like. Celebrates God. It's what we just read. You're, you're thankful you celebrate God. The second thing, sees value in all people. Sees the value in other people. Third thing, knows how to get rid of stress and worry. You want to have a fulfilled life, you've got to learn how to get rid of stress and worry. Bring it to God. How to really let it go and release it. You can't carry that around every day. The fourth, a fulfilled life has trust or faith that it's all going to work out. God can work it all together for good. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I've been through, no matter what my past says, that that God can work it out. Hashtag hope. And then I love that in verse 8 and 9, he tells us how. All right, so here's what the fulfilled life looks like. You're going to celebrate God. You're going to be able to release stress and worry. You're going to have value in people. You're going to trust. You're going to have hope. And and here's how you do it. You fill your minds with good. Daily, you make a decision to fill up your mind with good things. Then you choose to meditate on those good things. Think about it. You just put it in and then let all the other thoughts run it over. You've got to choose to meditate on it. And then the third thing he said was put it into practice. So then do it. Don't just sit around thinking about it. Paul's telling them, you got to put it in. Then you got to think about it. And then you got to do it. If you want to have a fulfilled life, here's what, here's what you got to do. It'll change your perspective. It'll change your attitude. He's just basically telling them, take the high road. Think about good things, not bad things. I saw a, uh, just thinking about attitude and perspective and even two people from the same family, just thinking on those lines for the message. I looked outside in our doghouse, and uh, this may or may not be true, found a, a diary from our dog, Layla. And then when I was cleaning up out in the garage where the litter box is, I also found a diary from our cat, Raja. Now I'm just going to tell you a little bit about both of the what the diaries said. Now, Layla, the dog's diary, it said 6 a.m. alarm went off. So excited to see which one gets out of the bed first, Dusty or Jesse, so they could pet me on the head. My favorite thing. I get put out in the backyard where I can run free and I have dog food in my feeder and I get to go out and chase the rabbits and roll around and I have a nice warm doghouse I can crawl into full of hay and I get to play there all day. My favorite thing. And then Sky gets home from school, three o'clock, and he runs into the backyard to play baseball with Dusty and I get to run back and forth and watch him play ball. My favorite thing. And then... 
they eat dinner and I get scraps and I get each one of them to give me little pieces of goodies and they give me some of their food and I get to lay in the living room and watch TV with the family and they all five pet me. My favorite thing. I'm the luckiest dog in the world. Oh, four of them pet me. One has a hardened heart. Hopefully he'll get saved at Midway later this evening. (laughs) Just kidding. He's going to something later. (laughs) So I'm like, wow, man, we give this dog a good life. Everything she does all day long is her favorite thing. She just gets happier and happier and happier until she passes out on her little dog bed. And she wakes up the next day and starts over again. She's happy as can be. I saw it in her diary. The cat, I thought, well, we treat Raja the same way. We feed her, we water her, we get everything. We, we take care of her, we pet her, we let her in and out of the house. And, and I opened up her diary and, and it says, day 334 of my captivity. These humans continue to taunt me with bizarre dangly play toys. They've taken my claws so that I could never make it in the wild. Okay, I won't keep going on with that. You get the point. It's an attitude. It's a perspective. They both live in my house with the same family, and it's the mindset or the attitude. You get to choose your attitude. Your mindset, how you look at things, how you approach things. What part of this family are you and how you look at it? Oh God, i got to go to church again and try to be a part. He's probably going to ask me to be a part of some special offering and try to take my... Or you, yes, I get to be a part of this family. I'm so happy. I got to, I'm, a, I'm a part of this. Something big. Like, that's an attitude. That's a perspective. It's all in here. See, when you get the attitude or the perspective of love, you give, you sacrifice. Great love equals great sacrifice. God led the way with his example. And great sacrifice equals a big life. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. World of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I'm talking about the economy of relationships, God's family. It's not about whether you got a bunch of money or you got no money. That's not what I'm talking about. Being rich, stuff doesn't matter, money doesn't matter. It's about love and sacrifice and relationships. Being around people that push you and make you dream and stretch you, and you grow together, you love together, you learn together. You, it's not equal gifts, equal sacrifice. Others begin to matter more than you. I hear people say, "Well, I'm not selfish." My answer to that is, if you tell me you're not selfish, what else is there in your life that you're not aware of? Everybody's selfish. 
We were born selfish. It's, it's in our nature. You don't believe me? Think about this. When a group picture is taken and you look at it, what do you look at? You look straight at you. And if you look good, you say, yeah, it looks great. Send it to me. If you look bad, you say, no, 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 we got to retake this picture. That's a horrible picture. I don't know who took that picture. That thing way off. You probably don't even notice everybody else in the picture. You're being honest. You just take a look at you. You're selfish. We're born selfish. Think about a baby. Whose toy is that? Mine. If I like it, it's mine. If you got it, it's mine. If I want it, it's mine. We're born selfish. But love gives. Love is sacrifice. And we've got to learn that things and stuff, they don't matter. Money doesn't matter. People do. Remember the story that Jesus told of the good, the good Samaritan? It's a famous story. We won't turn and read it because y'all know it. But he got robbed. He got beat up. Somebody stole all his stuff. And then the priest and the Levite came by and they didn't do anything to help him. He was just laying in the ditch because they were busy and they had their own things to deal with and they weren't willing to give of their time, their money. Their, they weren't willing to sacrifice to help somebody in need. It didn't benefit them. And the good Samaritan came along and Jesus gives this great story. But he gives us four perspectives of what your life can look like. First one was the robber that has the mentality or the perspective of what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. Hopefully this one don't apply to a lot of us in here and not any straight up robbers in here. But really it applies to all of us. It's what I just talked about, our selfish nature as, you know, we're born that way as toddlers and like, I'm going to take it. What's yours is mine. But the second thing we see is what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. There's a whole lot of people in the world that live their life that way. It's mine. What's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it for me. I'm going to save it up. I'm going to get what I need. I'm gonna, what's mine is mine. It's not I worked for it. I earned it. I'm not going to give it. I'm not going to help anybody. He's in the ditch. Well, I'm sorry he's in the ditch. He should have made other decisions and not ended up in the ditch. But he shouldn't have been talking to that robber. I got places to be. And go on past him. The third one is, what's mine is yours, so I'm going to give it. And that one's pretty good. And I think a lot of us are in that place. We've matured enough in God and we've got enough of God flowing through us and love in us to say, hey, what's mine is yours. I'm going to give you some of what is mine. I'm going to give it to you. What's mine is yours, so I'm going to give it. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give you some of what's mine. But there's a fourth place that God's been dealing with me on. There, there's this fourth level that you can go to, and we're going to talk about it for a minute, and we'll be done. But 
that's coming from this perspective of what's mine is not mine. I'm just the manager of it. I'm just, I'm just holding it until I see where I'm supposed to give it. I give away everything because it's not mine. It's just, it's flowing through my hands. I'm just a manager. Very few people ever make it to that place. But it's a big life. It's a place of great blessing. The few people I know in my life that are there and that live there, wow. The relationships and the just, it's an incredible place to live. You think about a boy, or I heard, heard about a dad that took his son to McDonald's and he bought him some fries because his son loved French fries. And he bought him some French fries, supersized, and they went and sat down at the table and he got him some ketchup, how he likes it, and the little boy starts dipping the fries in the ketchup and they're hot and salty and they look good. And they sit there for a minute and the boy's all happy. And then... Dad says, man, those fries look good. I think I'll have some. And he reaches over to grab them, and the little boy says, whop, and slapped his hand. No, those are mine. Dad's like, excuse me? I want to share the fries. No, those are mine. Now, what the little boy doesn't realize is because he's an immature son, The fries came from dad. He doesn't need your fries. He can go buy his own fries. He can take away your fries if he wanted to. He could go buy three wheelbarrows full of fries and bury you in fries. If he wanted to. That's how it is with us and God. We get our little pack of fries right here. We're like, yeah, this is mine. I work for this. I made this. And God's like, hey, will you give me a portion of it? Give me one fry. Like, God, it's not even like he asked for the whole pack. Like, he gave it to us because he loves us and he wants to see us happy and bless us. And then he wants to share in it for relationship. He wants to share in that. So, then he asked us for some of it back and, and we're so immature sometimes that we're like, no, that's mine. And he could take it away. Man, he could bury us in it. <laughs> he could go get his own. Look at Psalms 126, verse 5. Psalms 126, verse 5. We'll read 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I mean, they that sow in tears, what's hard to sow, when it's hard to let go of the seed, you're getting emotional. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. This is the only place that I can find in Scripture that talks about precious seed. There's a lot of other seed brought up and reaping and sowing, and Jesus gives a whole parable about seed falling on different ground and stuff. But 
it never brings up precious seed. Remember the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Perfect. There's, there's a level beyond what's just good or acceptable or what was required. It's a precious seed. There may be some tears. He that goeth forth and weepeth. Why? Because it's tough. It's hard. It's a sacrifice. It's, it's something that is precious. It's a sacrifice. The precious seed is a sacrifice. It says, he that goeth forth, or he that sends it forth, it's he that sows it. He that will let go of the precious seed. He that sows it, not if you're holding on to it. He that sows it shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. When you release the precious, you enter into the dimension of the doubtless. You can come in without a doubt. How do you have so much faith? How do you have so much trust that God's going to come through? How can you just say, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, I got the word from God. It's going to be all right. You got faith. You got trust. I can't see it. How? How do you have that much faith? Because I've released the precious, the precious seed, a sacrifice, more than was required. And I don't have a doubt. I know it's coming back. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've sacrificed things. And my faith gets stronger. My trust, my belief. The law of the precious is found all throughout Scripture. Isaiah 28, 16 tells us about the precious cornerstone. We know it's talking about Jesus. The cornerstone. God gave His precious. God gave Jesus. That's an, the best example I can think of of a precious seed. He was God. Could have made up another plan. Could have sent an angel to die on the cross. Could have made the devil die on the cross. Something else, but no. God so loved the world that he gave his precious seed. A precious sacrifice. Remember when when God called Abraham to go and give? God called Abraham to go and sacrifice his son. He took his precious son Isaac. He had another one that he didn't like that much. Ishmael, he could if it would have been me, I'd have been like, all right, man, that stinks. Come on, Ishmael, let's go. Isaac, you stay with mama. Like, we think that's funny, but that's what we do. God's like, hey, make a sacrifice. And we're like, all right, I'll sacrifice one of them three energy drinks today and give you $3. But we don't want to give the precious. Abraham gave the precious when God called him to give it. God called him to sacrifice it. In 1 Peter 1.19, it talks about the precious blood of the Lamb without spot or blemish. Jesus' blood was precious. That was spilled for us. I heard the uh, 
there was this missionary and he was talking about some meetings that they were doing in India and the people were very, very poor, like no money. And they would come to the church services and they would get ministered to and, and they wanted to bring a gift to God like they wanted when they would take up the offering and they didn't have money. So they would bring like a handful of grain or some would bring an egg out of their hen house or they might bring a banana or like a piece of fruit, anything like that. And so they would pass the baskets and the people would put what they had to give. And he said that uh, they were in one meeting And the plates were passing and people were putting stuff in. And this one woman was just very, very poor. And she had nothing to give. And when the offering basket got to her, that she took the offering basket and she sat it on the floor. And that she stood in the offering basket. As if to say, God, I got nothing but me. I'll give you me, my life. Every every breath I have left in me, I'll, I'll give it to you. I would say to you that she gave more than anyone else because that's all he's after. It's relationship. He wants your heart. It's not after your money. It's just in the same place as your heart. (laughs) Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Remember? He's after you. He wants relationship with you. In 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon comes to the temple and he brings 1,000 choice sheep for an offering. That was insane. That was unheard of. 1,000 choice sheep? I mean, you could have brought 300 and blown them away. He brought 1,000 choice sheep to sacrifice. And... That night, God comes to Solomon in a dream. And I've looked through the whole Old Testament and everywhere that God came to a person or angel, like if an angel came to somebody, anything, they're being asked to do something for God. Hey, God wants you to do this, or God said do this, or God said don't do this, or whatever. This is the only time I can find is right after he made this precious sacrifice of all these thousand sheep, God came to him and said, Hey, Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? Whoa. Well, there was still that probably wasn't too smart of him to give a thousand. He probably could have given about 400 and God would have still blessed him. And uh, now he probably went broke because he gave a thousand sheep. Two years later, 1 Kings 8, Solomon rolls back up to the temple. It's time to build the new temple. We're going to build the house of God. Everybody make a sacrifice, bring an offering. Solomon rolls up to the temple two years after that happened, and he brought 120,000 sheep and 22 oxen for an offering. Apparently, he didn't go broke. To build the house of God. Matthew 26, 7. Remember the girl that came to Jesus? Mary with the, with the alabaster box of ointment to break it over Jesus' feet. And Judas got mad. Up there, everybody. That money should have been spent on the poor. I can't believe she brought that money in here. And brought. She broke it 
And she poured it over Jesus' feet and she wiped it with her hair. Matthew 26, verse 7 says it was an alabaster box of very precious ointment. That it was precious. It was costly. It was a year's worth of wages. What? She poured out a year's worth of pay on Jesus, a sacrifice that, why? Why would you do that? You saved up a whole year's worth of pay and you'd pour it out, you'd break it. Jesus said, leave her alone. See, it's one of the highest forms of love. The highest forms of worship is sacrifice. When we give, we look most like him. You know, last week when I told about kind of what I was going to be talking about this week, and Jesse's like, yeah, you said what you're going to talk about this week for 10 minutes. Last week you preached half the message. And like... Some of y'all, just from what I said last week about the precious seed, already jumped the gun because you couldn't wait till this week to give your precious seed. There's a girl in here that gave a year's worth of wages for some of us broke the alabaster box there's somebody sitting in here that gave $21,000 this week towards the project a young single girl in this room that gave that that she's worked hard for there's a single lady that goes to church here that heard what I said last week for that 10 minutes and said I'm not going to be there next Sunday she's leading the, she's in second place for the special gift offering Right behind that other one I just told you about. His precious is a sacrifice. It's one of the highest forms of worship. In Matthew, it tells us that the smell of that sacrifice filled the house. And everybody got to partake of that when that precious was broken and poured out on Jesus. Not poured out on somebody or some poured out on Jesus, the, the pure form of worship. And guess what? She wiped it with her hair. So when she left, she smelled like her sacrifice. Everywhere she went. You smell like your sacrifices. It'll make you think about what altar you've been hanging around. So today, I'm going to give you another opportunity to be a part of something great. Last chance. Something bigger than yourself. A way that you can fight for humanity. I love that we had the idea to do it like puzzle pieces. Y'all, the puzzle pieces you see out there with people's names on them is so cool because when you think of us as a body or a family, puzzle pieces, they have holes and gaps until they're connected in place and then the gaps and holes are filled when humans unite monumental things happen like the Tower of Babel remember Jesus prayed Father that they might be one even as you and I are one why? 
Because unity creates power, momentum, and courage, hope. You need people in your life. I don't like people. Well, that's understandable because all your pain probably came from people. I've found that even when people say they're mad at God, they're usually just mad at other people that were acting in the name of God. So yeah, your pain comes from people, but the opposite is also true. Your healing will come from people, from being connected. So change your perspective. Money and stuff doesn't matter. People and relationships do. I need grab some. Try something here. I need I need a hundred bucks to put in here. Because I want to drop it in, and I don't have a hundred bucks. So, do you know why? You know why? Benny ran down here that fast. And see, some of you think because before the service, I went to Benny and said, Hey, Benny, here's a hundred bucks. Hold it until I ask you for it. And he was able to jump up and run and move. And he did that because that's what God. God does that to us, right? God gives us. He gives us something and then he says, can have it. But if we get our perspective right, we know that it came from him anyways. And I'm willing to, I'm willing. This wasn't how I saw this illustration going. <laughs> Finally, Benny was, the, uh, Benny was the obedient one. So I've been trying to do this illustration for the last three weeks. And instead of the illustration working out, we've lost three members. I ain't seen them last three dudes I gave the $100 to since. I'll try somebody else next week. And they can, Benny was the first one that's actually stayed and done the illustration. <laughs> it's a sacrifice. Why? Because we're moving into the place where the fourth perspective that we talked about, that what's mine's not mine. 
What's mine's not mine. It's I'm just a channel. God asked for it. He could have it. He could have it all. We're going to pray. I'm going to have the worship team that's not up here. If y'all come back. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And you guys know we're having the drawing on the tiny house is at 2 o'clock today. So if you want to leave and go get some lunch or something, um, we're going to finish tallying up all the tickets and get them all in for the drawing and all that. we got a bunch of stuff to get all worked out and get ready to go. So if you want to go and get lunch and come back or, or whatever, we're just going to have a huge celebration, have some music playing out. It's got a microphone hooked up out there already. And, just got the word that Levi's cooking hot dogs. Uh, Levi's cooking hot dogs. I guess you don't have to leave and get lunch. I don't know how many hot dogs he's cooking, but um, and we're going to make a big deal, a big celebration out of it. And right now, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing everything and nothing less again. And if you have a Uh, an offering or a precious seed that you want to go towards that towards the project to go to to House of Cherith ultimately it goes to the purse for Brawford Calls me and Joe will split whatever is made off of it and both of it ours purses will benefit House of Cherith so uh, if you have something that you want you can stick it in an envelope and just put your name and like stick the money in it and that'll go to tickets with your name on it so you're sowing a seed and you're you're making a sacrifice and you can come up and put them in this thing that's what that's there for and that's what all these that you guys walked up and and you just made that sacrifice these will all be a ticket in your name going in the drawing and it's all a sacrifice it's all precious seed and it's cool that we all get to be a part of it we all get to be a part of something huge Um, and I invite you if you're not coming to drop something in because a lot of you have already you've already bought a ticket you've already bought multiple tickets you've already supported in all different ways so don't think because you don't come up and drop something in Everybody in here has probably sacrificed in one way or another. So I would just invite anybody that wants to to just come down and we'll sing this song for some worship. And if you've got something to drop in there, write it on a thing so we know who it's from and drop it in. And uh, let's let's sing this song and, and we'll be done. And at 2 o'clock, we'll celebrate.